from Brooklyn, New York. I'm Adam Teeter, and this is a Vine Pair Podcast Conversation. We're bringing these conversations between our regular podcast episodes in order to examine how we move forward as a drinks business following the COVID-19 crisis. Today, I'm talking with Matt Crafton, winemaker of the very highly awarded Chateau Montalena uh, and our number one wine of the year in 2019. Uh, Matt, what's going on? Hey, Adam. Great to be here. So uh, it is now, you know, mid-June. I think California started to open up a little bit. I've heard of people going to the wineries. Can you sort of take me through, you know, from, I guess, starting today, go back to the beginning of COVID and just really quickly explain to me, like, sort of what happened, how you guys adapted, um, so we can just get a little bit of a background of sort of what you've been through before we start talking about what you're doing now. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll I'll do my best to be brief. It feels like a million years ago, but it, it really yeah. has only been a few months, hasn't it? Um, so I think the kind of the take home here in Napa County, at least, is that we've we've been very very fortunate. We just have had very very few confirmed cases in general, and I think just a handful of deaths. A few of those were from people actually flown in from some of those cruise ships that we all kind of followed. Uh, in the media at the very beginning of when the um, the coronavirus broke out, and um, you know, consequently, we were you know right in the middle of the the Bay Area shutdown that began, and the winery essentially was forced to close down to visitation, um, whatever it was back in in March. Um, the, the the difficult thing, obviously, is that for most small brands like ours, you know, we're we're not only dependent on visitation, but also restaurants too. So this was kind of a it was kind of a double whammy. I don't think anyone could have foreseen a situation where all of a sudden people had to stop coming here and every restaurant uh, around the country for the most part was shut down and then retail was severely limited. Um, so that's the hospitality side. My world, vineyards and, and winemaking, it's like nothing ever changed. I mean, the growing season's been going on. Yeah. Everything's growing. We're still busy as heck in the cellar. And we actually finished our, our bottling run right as kind of Napa was was shutting down. We weren't really sure what they were going to let us do, but uh, thankfully uh, the governor's office in Sacramento deemed kind of food, Bev and ag um, essential job functions. And uh, which is obviously a big piece of the economy here in Napa County. And so production and vineyards were able to, to continue. And so for the last few months, it's been about just trying to follow this kind of dizzying array of, of new regulations, requests, reviews, um, we've got pretty much every government agency that I knew of, plus a whole bunch I didn't know of <laughs> telling us what we should do, but no one really knows exactly what the right move is. And so, um, I have to give credit to you know, our hospitality team and to you know, our CEO, Bo Barrett, in that we've been, we've been very cautious, but we've also been, um, we also haven't tried to you know do anything that I think is, is really outlandish. It's been about, really careful, pensive thought about what the smart way would be to reopen when we were able to, making sure we have the right people here, the right safeguards in place so our customers feel safe. And then kind of in the meantime, we focused on what could we do to help, you know, serve our customers. I think like so many other brands have done, including yours. So, you know, I got to do all kinds of fun stuff. I was doing, you know, I'm doing Instagram lives in the vineyard, which is really fun. Never got to do that before. And talking about bottling, we've been in the caves, we've been in the winery, we're, you know, replants. And I think that kind of connection is something that I hope doesn't go away. Uh, I, I really enjoyed it. So, I mean, before we get into Montalina specifically, let's talk about Napa as a whole, right? So sure. Napa is, you know, the, the premium wine region of the United States with the majority of the wines, obviously, I, I think either going through on-premise or wine clubs, right? Especially at the high end. 
did Napa as a community come together to try to figure out like, how do we all, you know, face this together? I also know that as much as no one likes to talk about it, the wine industry is a competitive industry, just like every industry. Right. So you may also want to, you know, figure something out that your next door neighbor doesn't so that you take advantage of sales that they're not taking advantage of. So I'm, I'm curious, like what happened? Was it sort of a community like rah, rah, let's rise each other all up or was it, okay, let, like you figure this out, but we'll figure this out. And, you know, it's every man for himself. Yeah, that's a really good question. I think it's, I think the situation has definitely changed. And I think that that sense of camaraderie has, has been strong, but it's been more organic and possibly more almost like evolutionary as this has developed. I don't think in the beginning, anybody really knew what to do. And, you know, as you mentioned, there are a lot of brands here that are, that are very much dependent on, you know, uh, direct shipping allocations, those sorts of things. And, those brands have done pretty well if, if all you have is a mailing list. And um, there are also a lot of brands in Napa that literally sell the majority of their wine through, um, you know, retail, through through even some places sell, you know, grocery stores, obviously. So I don't think everybody was universally affected. And I think that that's also true with COVID. I think everyone was, there were a lot of people who believed that everyone in this country would be affected equally. And that doesn't really seem to be the case. So it's... Um, like I said, it's been kind of a dynamic situation. And while I do think, I do think you see a really strong sense of camaraderie right now. Um, what Napa has really been known for is that we, we, we typically do have our shit together, right? I mean, right. we typically are developing, you know, the best ways to do things. We are the pioneers. We are the developers. We are the people who come up with creative ideas because, you know, we have the expertise here. We have the capital. Um, and this was a situation where I think nobody could really foresee not only what was occurring in real time, but what to expect in the future. And when you think about, you know, how long it takes to build relationships with customers, um, you think about kind of that long-term focus that you have to have in ag. And it just didn't really, that, that model didn't really seem to mesh well with the fact that the situation around this country with the virus was like changing by the minute. Nobody right. knew what was going to be allowed. You know, do you do you do you keep your staff on with the hope that we're going to come back in and and we're going to be able to reopen in two weeks, or do we reallocate people uh, to do something else? Do you so, you know obviously a lot of people unfortunately got laid off in certain places, so it was there was just there was a lot of uncertainty, and I think for a bunch of brands that meant inaction, unfortunately, and um, so but in the last few weeks, I think is the governor's office has started to allow counties to reopen and people have a better idea of what customers are interested in and um, how to communicate with them better. There's been a lot more of that collaboration and information sharing. And that's really good to see. So that that's, that's awesome. Um, in terms of the collaboration informa information sharing, I'm sure you're doing a lot of that right now. So Rami, what phase is California in as of today? I, uh, I'm flattered to think that you would think that I would know. Uh, I think we're in, I think we're in like phase three or two B or I, I honestly, I can't figure it out. Um, I well, also every state has their own name for phases, that, right? Like we're, yeah. we use numbers. Pennsylvania is using like colors. So right. like no one really and knows. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm actually somewhat bewildered because obviously we paid somebody to come up with these things and no one's been able to, to communicate them very well. <laughs> No one talked to marketing people. No, no. And so, <laughs> and so honestly, I get most of my updates through Napa County now and, and okay. they're, they're telling us, okay, 
this Friday, these sorts of businesses are able to open, you know, next Friday, these sorts of businesses. And, and I wish I could say it followed some sort of like rational rhyme or reason. Um, I can't really put a finger, my finger on, on what some of those are. Like for instance, here in Napa, wineries that had commercial food licenses were able to open before wineries that didn't. Really? I, I can't figure out why serving food, A, would be somewhat safer than not, and why that would somehow infer that you have your act together, but that's how it was here. So there, there are a lot of head scratcher moments, but you know, going back to what you know I said earlier, I think the situation is pretty dynamic and um, yeah. You just have to, uh, I don't know, I, I try to laugh more than get upset. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then in terms of, we're not able to name the name of the phase, but right. we're in a place right now in Napa where wineries are are reopening, correct? And tourists are coming back? Yeah, that, that, that's correct. And you know, okay. for, for instance, today, today, like gyms are able to reopen. And uh, so whatever, uh, the other one, they, they said, they said uh, establishments that offer personal services. I was like, I have no idea what that is. But apparently, if you're in the personal service business, and that could go a number of different ways, uh, you're allowed to reopen. That's really weird. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, I know. Interesting. Okay. So I guess I guess they're trying to mean like, what, haircut, like barbers? Barbers have been open for a while. The only thing I can think of is maybe it's like estheticians or, you know, something like that is about all I can think of. But, you know, grocery stores have obviously been open. Yeah. Um, wineries have been open for a couple of weeks. You can... Uh, We've had, um, you know, restaurants have been open um, with sort of some pretty stringent guidelines. And uh, for the most part, it feels that, you know, people are, people are visiting Napa again. So it feels like we're slowly kind of hedging back towards some semblance of normalcy. But um, it sounds like we're much further along than New York is. Yes, you are. So, okay. So let's, so take me through, let's pretend that I'm coming to visit you uh, tomorrow. So what would a visit right now, what did a visit to Chateau Montalena look like and what does it look like now? So prior to COVID, we were, um, we had a tremendous amount of flexibility. You could literally drive in here, but, um, we're open to the public. Uh, as you know, we're all the way at the top of the valley. So we're kind of off the beaten path. And um, so it never gets ridiculously crowded, but you know, kind of one of our one of the perks of being an older brand is that uh, we are we have the opportunity to stay open to the public without reservations. So you could drive right in and you can oh, walk awesome. up. Yeah, and you could um, you know there was just sometimes a line and we've got you know ways to handle that. But you could walk in and you could old school belly up to the bar if you wanted and knock out a tasting in twenty minutes. And there's some people who really value that still. Mm -hmm. um, on the other hand, we also offered reservations uh, for you know, everything from, as you can imagine, you know, library tastings, verticals. We had an extensive you know, tour component. We had outdoor tastings. We, we had this whole you know, beautiful panoply of just so many different options really to fit what people are interested in, which right. I thought was great. Um, now the, it's a little bit more restrictive now. So we're, we're having to kind of take that model where we were used to this incredible amount of flexibility where we're relying upon, you know, our really smart people to interface directly with guests to find out what they're interested in and really tailor that to, to, to what they want to learn or what they want to drink. Now it's uh, now everything is, is by appointment currently. So you have to, you have to make a reservation. You can do that by a phone. Uh, you can do it obviously online. And, uh, and now it's more about, uh, the focus has changed. I'd say a little bit more about to making people feel really comfortable and really secure. 
which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it's um, it, it's limiting. You know, I, I wish I wish I could say we could, you know, we can do all these different things and be flexible and, um, you know, flexible on timing. Oh, you're running 15, 20 minutes late. No big deal like we used to. Or, hey, we'll just host your tasting outside because uh, it's a really beautiful day. Um, we don't right. have that capability anymore because everything now is very segmented. Everything has to be in a box. Everything has to be um, very distinct and with separation and everything else. So, yeah, it, it's it's a it's a challenge. Um, I think our team's doing a really really good job. I'm really happy I don't have to do it. Yeah. Um, but I'd say that it, I'd say that it's a, it's a step in the right direction. We're just really happy to have people back. And so when they when when I come back, let's again play right. this game. Are would I have to be wearing a face mask? Are are, are people at the winery wearing masks? Like what is that? Cause also like tasting wine seems very hard to do wearing a face mask, but I understand it's also for the public health. <laughs> so like, so how, how, what, what are those regulations and are there regulations that have been passed by Napa County? Um, right. Or are they regulations that you're putting on your own teams based on, you know, how, how you want to project a, you know, a vision of safety to the guest? Right. So it's a, um, it, it's interesting. A lot of the regulations and rules are, are, are contradictory, which you know, isn't, isn't, isn't a surprise. Uh, ostensibly, the, the governor has ordered that you know, anyone out in public statewide has to be wearing a mask. Okay. And so we ask guests when they come on site, um, when they get here, when they check in, please wear a mask. All of our staff that's interfacing with the public is wearing a mask. But once you get to your, you know, your designated area and you're with your group, um, you can take your masks off. You know, our okay. our employees are going to wear their masks all the time, obviously. But like you were saying, it's kind of awkward trying to drink through an N95. So yeah. <laughs> uh, so once we get you into your area and you're with, you know, you're with you with your groups, we're obviously not mixing any groups. So um, you know, you're if you come with it's by yourself, you're going to get one on one attention. If, and I think we can see groups up to six people in size is currently okay. the limit. So, uh, but yeah, you're escorted to, to where you're supposed to be introduced to your host. Um, obviously everything is all figured out in advance in terms of what your tasting is going to look like. We have a number of different offerings up We're we're starting relatively simple, looking at just some like relatively basic, but, but, but different tasting offerings around, you know, some library wine, some current release wine, because we really weren't sure what people would be interested in. And so right. just you know, not trying to go overboard in the beginning. And then as we've gotten feedback from guests and from customers, those will start to change and, and morph a little bit to help again, meet you know, our customers where they are. Very interesting. Very cool. So in terms of how you've been positioning yourselves outside of the winery, what's changed for you there? So, you know, you're a high-end wine brand, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's the wines are not cheap. Nope. Um, so how have you, you know, how have you been positioning yourself in terms of how you've been speaking to your wine club members? Have you pushed even for more wine club signups? And then also, how are you dealing with the loss of on-premise? Yeah, that's a really good question. So we sell a lot of wine out the front door here. We also sell a lot of wine through restaurants, and we also sell a fair amount of wine through our wine club. And we have, you know, we're really fortunate to have a large wine club and a lot of really huge fans of ours. So, but you know, when you lose kind of two out of your four sales channels, you know, with kind of retail being the other one, it's a, it's a real struggle. And um, I'd say that we'd made some significant inroads in the last few years, you know, moving our wines more into the, you know, the on-premise restaurant category, kind of away from retail. Uh, Not that retail is going away entirely, but it just, you know, restaurants had become more of a focus of ours. And so all of a sudden that got blown up. And, um, 
and, and then likewise, I just I don't think anyone ever could have considered a situation where all of a sudden no one can visit and no one can go out to eat. So right. So it's been um so it, it's been about again like I said meeting customers where they are, which is in their home. So uh and it's about not only um, communicating with them, but you know everyone. Again, I've been coming to work every day, so I'm probably the worst person to ask about this. But, <laughs> but I, I talked to like friends who are at home, and they're like, "We're bored. Like we've reached the end of the internet three times." And so yep, the idea, yeah. And so the idea has been, okay, well let's 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 give people content that they're interested in. And so you know, um, I've taken, like I said, I've, I've taken people into the caves uh, on Instagram. We're going into, um, we're going through the cellar. We're going through vineyards. I, I teach a. Um, I teach a class here at the winery called Monolana University for all the employees that I do once per month. And we cover everything from like closures to how wines age to how, um, you know, why, how we use like types, certain types of oak and barrel and, um, you know, all these different topics, the Calistoga AVA, like how do you plant a vineyard, all these different topics. And it's really been, it's been really, really popular. And we've had a lot of great feedback from employees over the years. It's something they've found a lot of value in. And so we've tried to kind of morph some of those topics and kind of bring them directly out uh, to our customers, typically through Instagram Live, um, also through you know, email communications. And yeah. just trying to kind of build up that, that hopefully bring some, bring a little bit of joy to people's lives. And at the same time, we've had a couple, um, we've had, we've done a couple online events. We did, we did a really good one uh, last uh, two weeks ago where we, uh, we brought in the new, the chef for the new uh, Four Seasons, um, you know, came up here and um, we have a connection through a previous employee. She's from Maine, a connection with a lobster boat in Maine. And everyone could sign up who wanted to, and they'd have a lobster, really nice lobster shipped from Maine for like 16 bucks, um, which on the West coast is like unheard of like for a two and a half. Oh, wow. Lobster. And, um, and at the same time, pair that with the, uh, with our 16 Chardonnay. And then, you know, chef did kind of an interactive, um, not just like, Hey, this is how, I mean, I figured you cook a lobster, you steam it or boil it, but like, no, he broke right. the whole thing down. Like, this is how we do it in a restaurant. I learned a ton watching it. And then we got to work through the wine and how that pairs with seafood. And we're doing another one, I think in, um, in about, let's see, what's today? Today's 19th. So yeah, next, next Friday, we're doing one with, with Stemple Creek out in Petaluma. They're an amazing pastured, uh, beef producer, you know, family owned brand, just like us. And, um, we're going to go through, you know, like how do you make like the perfect steak and what to pair with it? So it's this very like educational component to it. And I think that's something that people seem to resonate with. And I hope, I hope, or it seems to resonate with people. And I hope it's something that doesn't go away. That's really cool. So basically like, are they cooking along with you or is yeah, the idea totally. they're kind of watching and then they'll cook after they watch the. They're, they're totally cooking with us. So they could, you know, they, they order the food in advance. Temple Creek has like a Montalena package on their website right now. You get that, get the bottle of wine from us. And then you log in by zoom. And like I said, chef Eric's there and, He's like showing you all the really cool behind the scenes stuff about how they do it in the restaurant. You know, this is how you should, you know, season it, age it, whatever you want to do. And um, hopefully again, like there's something that you can take away from it being like, wow, that was really worth an hour of my life. Plus you get to yuck it up with us and forget about all the craziness for a while. That's really, really awesome. Um, I, and cool. I mean, I've heard of a few other brands doing it, but um, but it's super creative in a way, obviously to keep engaged with your, with your, you know, most loyal consumers, mm -hmm. which is, which is very smart. Um, so. I mean, this is like a, a hard question for anyone, right? But it's the last question we have, and uh, it, it's definitely forward-looking. What do you think, based on 
you know, everything you've seen now, et cetera, the future looks like for, for Napa, um, for Montalena in general in the next three to six months? Do you think that we'll go back to being fully open? How, how do you think maybe things will shift and adapt for you in terms of how you talk, talk to consumers based on what you've learned over the last three months? Like if you could just make some predictions, what would those predictions be? First off, I'm a winemaker, so uh, <laughs> take, that with, take that with a grain of salt. Uh, sec- secondly, I also tend to be uh, an optimist in a lot of ways. So um, I had a similar conversation with somebody a couple of weeks ago, and I kept I kept coming back to this, you know, this kind of like fundamental concept. Like there was nothing wrong with the economy um, before COVID struck. Uh, she was asking me, like, what do you think of this recession? And um, again, this was about a month ago when things were really at their darkest. And I said, hey, you know, there, there was nothing wrong then. And like most recessions and these difficult times are are caused by, you know, a, you know, a financial meltdown, the, you know, the, the manifestation of some unknown financial risk. But like that wasn't the case here. I think people people want to work. People want to get back to their lives. And I don't think there's any reason that won't happen. Um, right. When it comes to how things are going to open up um, that, you know, that that's really outside of my hands. It's uh, an outside of, I think a lot of rational thought. I mean, I think it really comes down to um, our elected leaders uh, and looking at, you know, what is, what is really the, the overall social cost of what we're doing? Um, you know, the, the economy is life for a lot of people and yeah, we have to be safe. And I'm hundred percent in favor of that. I wear my mask in the grocery store, just like everybody else. But we have to look at, you know, what's the um, what, what's happening to people and their livelihoods. And I think that we can there are other countries right. and other places that have been able to surmount this problem with just, you know, I think a um, uh, obviously a kind heart, but also an understanding of we can't remove all risk from society. Like it just it's just not possible. And so we right. have to be we have to be responsible adults and we have to understand the consequences of our actions. And there has to be that sense of trust there. And so, you know, I'm optimistic that if, um, if, if kind of we stay the course, that I'd love to see things really, you know, back to normal in the next six months. But again, I, I, I have no idea. I mean, I guess the, the last yeah. thing I would say is that the goalposts have kind of moved. Um, I was always my understanding that the whole point of so many of these shutdowns was to keep our you know, medical establishments from getting overwhelmed so that we could figure out how to treat this disease um, and to, you know, stock up on supplies to help people in need. And it's like, you know, what, a, what an amazing country we have where we were able to do that. And uh, the goal was right. never to, to eradicate this before it opened. Like that just isn't even in the realm of possibility, even in the universe of possibility. Right. And so I think, unfortunately, that seems to be more of the narrative these days. And I hope we don't we don't fall into like that sense of fear um, because that's not a good place for anybody. So I lied. I have one other question. Um, And that is what does, have you started to think about what harvest might look like for you? Yeah. I was kind of hoping you'd ask giving you a winemaker question. (laughs) I actually can answer. (laughs) Yeah. Have you started to look like, have you started to think about what that's going to look like? Um, And then what actually, you know, vinifying the wine is going to look like, you know, how, how, how is that going to be this fall potentially? Um, and I'm assuming you've thought about it a lot. So I'm just curious about some of your, your initial thoughts. Like, is everyone in the vineyard going to be wearing masks uh, as they pick? Like, what what is that all going to be for you? Yeah, there's there's sort of a compartmentalization of that. Like, on the one hand, you've got your right brain thinking, like, just going over and over 
you know, what's the potential going to look like absent of what's going on in the universe, right? So I'm thinking about, you know, what are we experiencing right now in the vines? What kind of vintage is that going to be? And that's really exciting. And um, I think we're on deck for something really special this year. And um, the the other side of it, like you mentioned, the logistics side, you know, there, there are kind of, a, there are a couple facets of that. I mean, thankfully, uh, in winemaking, you know, we're, our hands are constantly in some kind of like acidic atmosphere. So whether it's, it's, a, you know, our hands are in citric acid or we actually get wine on our hands, uh, you know, there's no human pathogen that can live in wine. So no one has to worry about getting sick from wine. Um, that's why right. the Romans used to like mix wine into their water when they were conquering Gaul and Germany. I mean, like they didn't understand it, but that's what kept them from getting sick. And so, um, so there's that piece of it already where we're in a hyper, hyper sanitized uh, environment to start off with. And um, kind of the other piece of it is just that, you know, you know, aside from a couple, a couple places, so let's say like on a sorting table um, or like you were saying, maybe having a couple leaf pickers on a tractor, there aren't right. a whole lot of spots where we're really encroaching on some of the social distancing guidelines. And, um, you know, I do remember when the WHO came out and they were like, you need to have like one meter spacing, you know, for social distancing. And then somehow that that got, you know, pushed to two meters, you know, six feet roughly uh, here. And um, so I think that we have to kind of look at the, the realities of what transmission actually looks like, number one. Um, and then number two, just be very confident in making sure that we we take care of the risks to our people that we can control. And I can do whatever I can tell our guys to wear masks 24 hours a day, but you know, they go home and see their kids. That isn't going to be, it isn't going to be possible. So um, for us, it's about kind of controlling what we can, making sure that we're making, we're, we're, we're making smart decisions when it comes to not only safety, but also the quality of the product. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, this just as well as I do, like, this is about like, this is about the people here. And, um, right. it's, you have, you have obviously a great group of people you work with. You wouldn't want to see anything bad to happen to them and, and neither do we. And, um, you know, I give a lot of credit to the Barrett's we had for our hospitality staff. You know, we repurposed quite a few of them. They were painting the bridges here and, you know, doing woodworking and carpentry and power washing and just cleaning up the place. And, um, you know, now I think they're all back to, to, to meeting with customers and selling wine, which is what they want to be doing. But, right. it's, um, it, you know, we, we would never do anything that would possibly put anyone in, in harm's way. Um, but that being said, we're also not going to go so far the other way that it's going to preclude us from being successful in our jobs. Right. Well, Matt, this has been an awesome conversation as always. Um, thank you so much for taking the time uh, on a very early morning already for, for you. It's almost noon for me, but it's still, still early in Napa. Um, so thanks so much. Although you get you get into the winery at like what five thirty every morning? Yeah, that's right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so so I mean maybe not that early for you anymore. No, you no, have like no, a lot no, of coffee. Yeah. And like ready to go. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. I, I I really I really really appreciate you taking the time. Hey, love what you guys do. Really happy to support you guys, and um, you know keep keep generating the amazing content you do. We're huge fans, and so many of us are, and um, we really appreciate you. Uh, helping us not reach the end of the internet also on our side. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, thanks. Yeah. Thanks, Adam. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast. If you enjoy listening to us every week, please leave us a review or rating on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits.
Vinepair is produced and hosted by Zach Jabal, Erica Ducey, and me, Adam Teeter. Our engineer is Nick Patry and Keith Beavers. I'd also like to give a special shout out to my Vinepair co-founder, Josh Mallon, and the rest of the Vinepair team for their support. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again right here next week.